0: Welcome to episode two of the podcast. Hi friends, how's everybody doing today? So today we're going to talk about one really important thing. We're going to talk about assessment and how we assess progress in a classroom, um, really about just what assessing progress looks like classroom versus business. This isn't so much about how to assess progress, but that's part of what's happening here. It really is about sort of the expectations we have of assessment. If we're coming from a classroom or from a teaching setting, whether it's a classroom or not, where you stood in front of people and you were like, look, this is how you do this. If you've done that, this is for you because it works differently in a business. So start, let's start from here. Think about what happens when you're standing at the front of a room in front of kids, in front of adults, um, or even just a room of digital faces. You make a t- a million tiny decisions based on what you see, what you hear, what you don't see, what you don't hear. For example, sometimes you look out at the sea of people in front of you in a classroom, And I can speak from my experience, like with college kids recently, you look at that sea of faces and you see like scrunched up little faces, you see frustration and body language. You hear them asking questions that show they don't quite understand what's happening. You see their work products and you look at the work they've done and you think like, hmm, we missed some things here. You take all of that input, that external input in, and you make decisions. You think, should I go on? Should I slow down? Do we just need a break? Do we need to try a different approach? All of the information you took in that you saw, you heard, you used to assess progress and make decisions. This is a natural process for people who teach anything. This is what we do as humans, even as parents, sometimes where we kind of take the temperature of what's going on in a room, or even if you're running a meeting and you think like, oh, hold on, wait, let me peel back. And you have been in rooms or meetings where there was somebody at the head of the room that didn't do that at all, where they just kept talking until everyone else was so desperately lost. And you were, And all you can think is like, how did they not notice? In business, This assessment works a little different. This cycle is different. A lot of what happens in teaching in standing in front of people is external feedback coming in. And sometimes in business, a lot of times we don't get the same level of external feedback. We're not used to quiet because in a classroom, you know, often that can be a problem. So we're going to talk a little bit about here, the kinds of feedback you get in teaching versus the kinds of feedback you get in business, because what happens is the kinds of feedback we can get in business and the lack of it causes a teacher brain to just kind of explode. So really, what's the difference? It's this external internal thing. In a classroom, you teach something to another human, you get some feedback, even if they're saying nothing. We get some sort of external cue. In business, depending on what you do, where you are, how you're growing, it is entirely possible that you're not getting a ton of external feedback at all. This is what this looks like is you make posts and nobody says anything you just get quiet. You don't get comments. You don't get responses to emails you send. You don't You don't get the amount of input that you're used to having. And then when you do get feedback, it's easy to discount. It's like um, when you get a comment on something, this happens to me on LinkedIn. And I'm like, oh, somebody commented on LinkedIn. It turns out it's my mom. So it's not bad feedback because my mom loves me, but it's not actually the business feedback I was hoping it was. This matters because in many cases, we take silence in a classroom to mean something is not working. It's not entirely true in a classroom, but it's also really not true in your business. Especially early on, we think if we hear silence, that something is broken, like like horrendously wrong, like our life process is wrong, we've made all the wrong decisions. And when we can't deal with that silence and we can't be confronted by it, we start to throw all the things at the wall. Even though we know logically, somewhere in the back of your brain, you're like, wait, 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 wait. I just need to give this time and consistency and focus the quiet freaks us out and it's like, okay, wait, I have to fix this. Like like it's a broken fridge. Instead of checking to see if it's still keeping things cool or what have you, it's like, you know I'm gonna go get out of the tools and I'm gonna take it apart and then I'm gonna put it back together. And so we change our systems. We change the idea. We change the tagline of our business. We change the website. We decide to try new platforms. We pick apart all of the data. Like we get engagement scores from Facebook. We look at all of that. And we watch it all like a hawk and sort of peck at every little bit. And We also start to look around and go like, oh, well, how are they doing it? How come when they do it like that and we put up the exact same post that it works for them and it doesn't work for me, but we don't actually define what working for me is. Here's the thing. This happens in a classroom too. Yes, you want people to engage for sure. The business runs better. The classroom runs better. When people are talking to you, When they're responding. But quiet is not evidence that something is broken. I'm gonna say it again because I think you need to hear it again. Quiet is not evidence that something is broken. It is not evidence that you need to fix something. And it is truly not evidence of failure. You don't have to think oh my gosh, it's so quiet, I'm doing this all wrong. There's a million other things to think. The quiet freaks us out. It's over extrapolating. It's like taking one data point and making a mountain out of that mohill because what we're really doing is making decisions from a lack of evidence rather than evidence. You don't have proof that nobody's looking. You don't have proof that people aren't getting good about what, from what you're doing, but because they didn't come back to you and say, Sarah, this was amazing. I got so much good out of it. You're like, oh, didn't work. It could be that it was Saturday and people were with their families, but they read that thing and then they moved on. It could be that they are thinking about what you're doing and saying, and it just takes them a while to consider in your brain, in their brains. You've had that happen in a classroom, I guarantee you, where you've been in a group of people or you've been in a classroom where this happened. You've been in a group of people and there's somebody that you really think is not paying any attention or they're doing their own thing over in the corner and you're like, what's happening? And then at some point they decide to participate with this like fully formed picture of what's happening. And you think like, oh, you were with me. A couple of semesters ago with my college kids, I like, and, and I say this knowing that I like a class that talks to me. I hate standing up at the front of a silent room. It makes me crazy. I had a class that wasn't maliciously not trying to participate. They were just a quieter bunch. Did they have questions sometimes? For sure. But they were like studiously considering. I know it exists. I promise. It was really what happened. And they would sort of pop out with these full ideas. I just happened to have a whole bunch of them in the same class. And for a while, it freaked me out until I was like, oh, wait, this actually is okay. So sometimes that lack of evidence, we turn into like evidence everything is wrong. It could just be that you've only been at this point a couple of minutes and people need time to catch up to you. They might need more than the five minutes you're giving them or the five hours or the four or five days or whatever. And you just need to keep going. Lack of evidence is not evidence. Quiet is not people saying, holy God, you're terrible at this. You can't take that idea that you're terrible at this from people just not answering. So that being said, it's like, okay, great. Quiet still freaks me out. What the hell? And you're thinking, okay, but you just said silent is good and yet I still feel broken, so now what? So it's okay, we have a plan. Like that's, we got we got some ideas here. There are two things you could think about, you could ask yourself. When you're in this spot where you're thinking, oh my gosh, there's no feedback and I don't know what people are thinking and I'm a failure and like the 17 layers down the highway that you get there. So the first is, you know, what we just talked about, you think that you have evidence that things are not working, but really you're focused on lack of evidence. So take that one step further, turn the tables and think, okay, wait, what evidence do I actually have here? Like what kinds of interactions do I have? What are people's responses when I tell them what I'm up to? What does the actual evidence say to me about what's happening. If I think about that really quiet class I had, the evidence, when I really looked at it, said that they understood what was going on. They were doing the work. Things were going well. In my own business, I had to do this for myself just recently. I was busy telling myself that no one was signing up and I was never going to get another coaching client. And it was all broken and it was quiet. And oh my gosh, I was doing it all wrong. So I had to like take myself a chill pill and go shopping for evidence that things are not falling apart and I am not a failure. And one of the things I saw when I looked at actual data was that I've signed at least one client, you know, more most months, every month in 2020, except for August. So the evidence, the trends say that things are just fine but I was kind of lost in the day-to-day quiet in the midst of an election, in the midst of everything else that's happening in the world in 2020. And somehow I was making it mean that like life was over as I knew it, but it wasn't. So the first thing to do is look for evidence of what's actually happening because there is data. It's just a matter of looking for it. The second question is a little different And here's what you can do, like sit down with pen and paper and answer this. What do you actually believe about your business? If the quiet isn't a problem, what would you have to believe for that to be true? Like I know for me when it's quiet, one of the things that helps me is to think my people are with me. They see what I'm doing. They're just thinking. That's what really helps me. What could you choose to think about the quiet in your business? Instead of, holy crap, I'm a failure. Okay, so there is a third thing here. I said there were two, I lied a little. There's three. There is one less question that is really useful to ask yourself when things are really quiet and it's freaking you out. And the question is, how are you talking to people? Because one of the things that happens often when things are quiet in a business is that we're like waiting for people to come talk to us. We do something, we're waiting for them to respond. It's like getting invited to a party and then waiting at your house for them to come pick you up. It's not how this works. You have to go to the party, right? If you think you might just be waiting around for them to show up, and this is something I do, and most people in business do, like this is normal. Think about how you could actively engage. How could you be the one to engage first? Are you expecting people to engage with you without you engaging with them? Here's the thing. This last part of this, this idea that you could be expecting people to engage with you without you engaging with them is a really hard question to ask yourself because it is not always fun to answer, but being really honest about what you're expecting and what you're willing to put in and wait like, oh crap, I'm just waiting for them to come to me is life-changing. Like you can change your business, you can life everything based on answering that question. So there is one obstacle I kind of want to warn you about here. In the midst of all of this, one of the things that happens is like things start to unlock a little bit and you start to get a little bit of external feedback. Like somebody goes, yeah, that makes sense. Or, hey, I love this. What happens is our brain goes like, Oofy! Like it's the last strawberry on the plants at the end of the season. And we fight about it. And we're like, oh, I have to have it. And you jump all over it and you get all excited and you make it mean more than it means. Like this is one person telling you great. And that's great. Take it. But what it doesn't mean is everything is perfect. The other thing, the other side of this is that if somebody's like, oh yeah, that's not for me. You got that one piece of external feedback and it's not for them. And now it's like, holy crap, the world is crashing. Be careful that you don't over extrapolate from that one piece of feedback. If it was good, like, great, take it. But if it wasn't good, it wasn't exactly what you wanted it to be. It doesn't mean tear it all down and set it on fire. Like that's, that's not what we need to do. Remember that evidence in business is about trends. So like for me, when I was freaking out about quiet, I went and looked at 12 months worth of trends. I didn't look at this week because this week is what I'm freaking out about. So one piece of evidence is not a trend. Think about in a classroom, you'd be looking at data for kids over the course of a couple of months or a school year, not about you know how Joe showed up today. Because it could be that Joe just didn't sleep last night and is a mess today. You can't look at one instance. We wouldn't do that as teachers. Like you don't give one assessment and that's their whole grade. It's the same thing in reverse when we do it to ourselves. One piece of feedback, one piece of evidence does not a trend make. Ultimately, what I want you to walk away thinking about here today is that assessing in a classroom and assessing in your business aren't so different. There's a lot of parallels. But the difference is in the kinds of feedback we get. In a classroom, we get a lot more external to internal feedback. But just because that's not what you're getting in business isn't doesn't mean it's a problem. There are lots of other ways to assess. And in a business, a lot of evidence can come the other direction from inside out. That inside out assessment, that like, wait, what's really going on here? What do I actually believe about my business? How am I engaging with people? Those kinds of questions are endlessly valuable in your business. And they're also endlessly valuable as a teacher, really, like, because you can ask yourself the same questions and be a better teacher as a result. So, be patient with yourself, be kind, quiet is not death. <laughs> it's okay. Remember that you're not in this alone. You're not the only one that's gone from lots of evidence and feedback and information and input to what feels like a lot less. And if you're looking for community and you're looking for other people like you who have gone from teaching or are still teaching and are now full-time in their businesses. This is something that I have in my Facebook community called Teachers in Business. And if you want to come join, please feel free. We'd love to have you. This is a part of the conversation that we're having there. And then I'd like to offer you this. If you feel like this whole lack of data thing is just like, uh, and you're super stuck here, this is something I coach clients on all the time. This is a completely normal problem in business. This happens to everyone, no matter if they're making $5 or $5 million. And I know exactly how to keep you going forward, even if it's quiet. You can be moving forward in the right direction, the one that makes money for your business, no matter what kind of data you're getting right this second. So if I can be of help to you, please reach out. Let's set up a conversation. You can book directly for a free hour um, initial conversation on my website, which is Torpy, T-O-R-P is in Peter, E-Y, coaching.com. You can send me an email at Sarah at TorpyCoaching.com, or you can come find me on Facebook in my group or generally on Facebook or on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is my jam and decide that we can talk together. You don't have to feel alone in the quiet and it doesn't have to feel like something you should set on fire and start all over again. There's a lot more good to consider than what you're giving yourself credit for. So I look forward to seeing you at the next episode. Thanks so much for your time today.